Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we kind of took a break. We had some some changes, some really warm weather. Everybody's busy once the weather warms up, but we are back this week, and we have Kim Laughlin, and we're going to be chatting about the importance of communication and the role it plays in the in workplace wellness. So, thank you so much, uh, Kim, for like we said before we started recording, pivoting. So, because I'm going to be out of town when we were supposed to record, so this worked out well and we appreciate it <laughs> my pleasure my pleasure thank you um name is kim laughlin i own cultural apex coaching i was head of hr for 10 years 10 years ago i say i just celebrated my 10th year anniversary of my business and the reason why i'm so passionate is what a lot of people don't know about me is i have also my certification in in um, health coaching and what I did was I married being an HR manager and director as well um, with how did, how was everybody was getting stressed out. Worksite wellness was taking a dive. So I wanted to marry the two together. And what I found was communication within the workplace. The culture was very toxic. It affected the wellness of the folks there. And so I brought the two together and um, found the impact was incredible wonderfully pal pal palpable is palpable is the word um and started to reduce turnover people wanted to come to work they wanted to be happier when they were at a place where they would probably rather be home so i realized the impact on that and i just rode with it and decided to take it on the road afterwards can i ask you it's probably like you probably answered this question a million times to other people but for our people here and for me you said you're at a 10-year anniversary with your business but congrats by the way and how did, um, not just, not about your business pivoting with COVID, but did you notice, like, you know, we've seen a lot of workplace cultures change and have to adapt. And that's not uh, one of our bullet points, but I'm fascinated by workplace culture because I can't speak for Amanda, but I do know we both come from multiple places, um, previous employment wise, where burnout and all the things you were kind of touching on. So I was just curious, like, what did you observe with COVID and how that impacted, like, the the workplace cultures that you saw? So when March 2020 came along and I was working with my clients, it went from how to, you know, positively impact the employee that was going through struggles, whatever the case may be, to in, in, in 180. Um, so everybody, there was a lockdown, everybody went home and worked from home, they were challenged with family being at home with them. I know I'm, I'm distracted easily, but I was very blessed. I have older children. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal for me, but I remember. So it went from helping the leaders become the, you know, how to communicate better to the change that it created was, it was, it brought up and I, I'm going to get right to the point. It brought to the surface, the lack of trust that I saw that everybody had with either their leaders or their individual contributors. And I had to kind of talk them off the ledge with that, if you will, because it was, how do I do this? I don't know how to manage people that are remote. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And it, I often use the analogy, there's that detour sign. We all know we're going to get to where we're going, even though there's a detour sign, but there's that subconscious, ugh, right? And so we hate change. We just hate change. And we like going in and these leaders I found, which brought me an awareness where I needed to really kind of coach them was to help them trust themselves, to be the leaders, to trust people that were remote and not to expect as much. Someone has a four-year-old, they're home, 
they have a husband, they have a, a other multiple children, whatever the case may be, elderly parents. And it was just getting them to realize the reality of the situation. You know, I always say that the people go, I can't want to do that. Um, but that's, we're all in the same boat, you know, and um, whether we agree with what happened or not with the whole lockdown, it was happening. And so that was that individual awareness that they had to get with themselves so that they could backtrack and be the leaders that they needed to be for however long that was going to be in the fear of not knowing when and what, because they also had to give answers that no one had answers to. So it was about being vulnerable saying, I don't have the answers. As soon as I do, I'll let you know, we're in this together. Trust me. And the trust that T-R-U-S-T was the issue. Yeah. Okay, I could squirrel off about this topic all day, but I'm just going to say that I'm sure you also had to have, you know, totally different conversations when the lockdown was lifted and folks were like, hey, I'm actually more productive at home. I'm happier when I can work from home. And those employers, like you said, that didn't like change, um, or this is how we've always done things, or I need you in the office to know, and even if they're not saying that, like, I need to know you're there so that I know you're working, right? Um, I know that I've seen a lot of places that have had that challenge and people in a world where you can like YouTube and DoorDash and <laughs> your way to making a living, people aren't taking it anymore. So I think it's really um, shifted culture, but I don't want to get us too off track. <laughs> no, but I think it all blends. But I, what I think is it's important that we find a silver lining. So in any situation, and I mean, even the most dire situations, just if, if you can't find something to have a silver lining about it, it's, it's so dire. And so what I said to folks was, I, I do that five levels of why, okay, you want them back in the office, why? Because I want them around the team and I think it's it's important to have collaboration. Okay, but why? They can't have it in Zoom. Yep, I people get Zoom fatigue, I get all that. Do they wanna commit back in the office? Not necessarily. Okay, why? Um, and it would drive people crazy. But if it's a results-oriented role, they're more productive at home, why not? They don't need to be with Kim and Amanda and Kelsey to, to be more productive. Maybe there are some that do. And so it was a real big shift. And a lot of folks are using the hybrid model to keep the employees happy and be more productive. And so I just make them go back. If it's not more productive and they're just doing it to do it. And, you know, yes, we, we probably need to pivot a little, but to really get to the core of the issue and then let's build from there instead of, you know, the employee saying, I think everybody should be back in, in the office. Well, that's working for you. And in some roles, you can't. Manufacturing roles, they have to be in, on, on site. You know, healthcare, they have to be on site. So it's also, if they get to, why can't I? You know, so it gets to like, let, let's step outside. Let's, let's be adults um, and let's really figure this out. And, and then it's breaking down all those, um, the, the egoic decisions that people make. So it's still ongoing. It really is. But it's an interesting um, journey. It, it, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, we definitely, my husband works in IT cybersecurity. So um, when, you know, they were like, hey, come back to the office. All of his people were like, what? I, I do everything on my computer, right? Like it's not required. So it's an interesting conversation for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right. So let's get rolling here with our, with our actual plan content. Right. Sorry. I didn't, I was like, I was just like, I have to ask because like I, right, right before I started my own practice, I was 
um, at a larger in a larger agency setting. And I left the year that COVID started. Yeah, so it was wild. They were I was like right at the beginning of all of the adaptations and all of the like detour signs and stuff. So yeah, I was just curious from your lens. So so thank you for that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but I think that it just gave it, it gave everybody an opportunity to put the lens of what it will it always was and how you've always yes. done it in that cliche term and it's like okay let's just kind of shatter that a little bit and let's see what really works so and I love that you touched on like the core issue is trust and I'm sure you yeah. work on that a lot with and you know with your clients and and things but that's really what what it's about is trusting one another and and then the change of course but okay so I'm in your work and, and part of your your like little guiding talking points here we had to kind of break down the statement that I guess you use a lot with your with your clients when you say it starts with you what what do you mean by that yeah no matter what interaction now I, I want to preface this with there are anomalies out there that this doesn't apply to so you know kind of with that said with that disclaimer but most of the time whenever you have an interaction with I don't care if you are pulling out of your driveway and someone cuts you off. I don't care if you're at the grocery store and you have a bad interaction, family, friends, work, whatever. Whenever you have a situation where you feel triggered and like, what's wrong with them, right? I always say, okay, how, how could you have shown up better? And they're like, what are you talking about? The person cut me off. And we, we are innately in this victim status, whatever it is. My kids won't come home for dinner. You know, it drives me nuts. I just had a conversation with my girlfriend the other day. I go, why don't they come home? And she says, I don't know. I mean, I do everything for them. It's not what we do. Why don't they come home? And then she started to get upset. And I said, I'm not trying to make you feel badly. I'm just trying to say it starts with you, right? I always say it's the real me. It's not you. Remember in the movies, like, it's me. It's not you. But it truly is in these cases. You have to self-reflect so you can self-correct. And all you can do is control yourself. So when I say it starts with you, Whatever interaction you come into, whether it's positive or negative, doesn't matter. It works for both. How did I impact that? How could I have done better? What did I do to make this so great? Like, give yourself some kudos, whatever the case may be. But it's usually the blame game and the victim. So what I do is my, my way of trying to save the world is to just kind of switch that because it might be somebody else. You might be an innocent bystander. I mean, there are anomalies out there and I get that. But most of the time, if you don't get invited or you're not being talked to, the leader isn't being approached by things, there's an open door policy no one uses, why? What can you do better? So in coaching, it's the biggest question I ask is, it starts with you. And they're like, what are you talking about me? It can't possibly be me. I'm being silly, but you know what I mean. And so it's kind of like, okay, but let's really kind of look at that. Because if we truly look at ourselves in the mirror, that proverbial mirror, we don't always like what we see. And we don't mm -hmm. like to be accountable. We don't like to be vulnerable. It takes work. It takes practice. And if you show just this much vulnerability and accountability, it creates this much trust. If you show this much dictatorship and, and um, blaming and, and, and that bulliness at work, it creates this much of a problem. And so either way, which one are you going to do? This one or this one? Give it a shot. Right. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you don't even trust yourself to be who you need to be. And so I'd always try to work on the individual, um, how they can show up as best as themselves. 
And then they have the wherewithal to be able to handle the problem. And that is all about leadership. It's all about leadership. I love that. Like, why not try something different? It's clearly not working currently, right? So what's the worst that could happen? And it reminds me of something that like, you know, in our industry of like, you can't heal what you don't feel. Um, and like really taking that ownership and recognizing and being willing. However, I think, you know, Kelsey and I have jobs for a reason, because society doesn't teach us how to embody that discomfort rather than being dissociated from it all the time and just doing and working and achieving and producing. So when we do feel that discomfort, if we don't have the right support, you know, like someone along the way to guide you and give you those resources and let you know, hey, this is the process that we go through. And there is another side of that that you're going to get to. It won't always be this uncomfortable. Um, I think that people can oftentimes revert um, I'm having a hard time. Maybe it's Sunday. <laughs> um, like kind of retreat, I guess, from um that work because it feels scary, right? Survival is coming into play, which I think is just like a really good segue into um talking about triggers and like what are the things that you see, um, like how those personal triggers are coming about in leaders and in in employee occupational settings. Yeah. So so I start with um, a little test with folks. So oftentimes if I'm working with the leaders, first of all, I only work with the clients that if the leaders are involved, if they're not, I turn it away until they're ready. And that's, I think it starts with the leaders. So um, that's one. Number two, I always, it's, um, and I did this with myself and I had people do this with me. So I know how hard it is. So when I'm in a meeting and they'll say, listen, you know, I'm open to hearing whatever it is I need to work on. So just, I need to know if I don't know, I don't, I can't fix it. And I said, okay, so you're open to it. That's wonderful. And I'll say, well, first of all, what I need you to do is be a little bit more honest with me, or I'll pull something just a little non-positive <laughs> to say like, you know, it, there's a little bit of a trust issue with you. And they'll go, and I'll say, see, I, I, I'm not sure you're as ready as you think, but that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. I, I just did that on purpose so that you could realize that if you're going to say you got to mean it. And it's okay to say, listen, I know it's going to sting. I know I'm going to probably feel a little punch in the gut and I'm going to go feel bad for myself for a few minutes, but I am going to buck up and then I'm going to come back in and be the leader that I need to be so that I can create the culture that I hired you for, Kim, right? And so we, I think the first thing is just be honest with ourselves. It doesn't make us a bad person just because you're responsible for 10 people's performance evaluations or their paychecks doesn't mean that you can't say I made a mistake, I need to be better, or whatever the case, and it's, it's so important so that they feel safe to be able to do that as well, and not be looking to go elsewhere, because they feel like they can't make the mistake. So I've, I've gotten that pushback. Um, they don't mean what they say, I think it's well intended, but it's not really what they're looking for. But that's what they need, right? No one wants to hear something that they need to but it's okay. So the one of the things I do offer is between sessions when you're feeling that like, oh, because sometimes being a leader is, is lonely at the top. It really is. I'll say, give me a call, 10 minutes, text me. Let me know where you're feeling like, oh, it's between you and me. No one else is going to know, but let me help you in those times when you're probably feeling badly for yourself. I don't mind because that's what I would want. And that's what I've gotten in the past. So it's so, that's when I know I made a a big difference when I receive those texts in between sessions or the emails or the phone calls. So, so I love powerful. that. Yeah. It shows that there's trust there. Right. Yeah. And then it, it reminds me that like for somebody to have to identify that there's 
quote unquote, something wrong with me or something I need to work on or somebody, somebody else out there in the social world sees something that's not good about me right now. Um, primally, that's us being expelled from the main group, which is not great for survival. And then depending on like your childhood, your upbringing, your r- romantic or intimate relationships throughout your life so far, that can absolutely add to those triggers and fears. And right. And so I think people can go one of two ways of like diving full in, like, yes, let me work on this so that I can continue to be associated with the group or, oh, I'm just going to ignore that that exists because I don't want to be rejected from the group. Um, and I know this is a really long winded way of saying, um, I love that you offer that support, like that peer type, you know, coaching support in between. Um, I'm just curious, how often, um, are you like recommending someone engage with a therapist or other, like, if they're having health issues, like, Hey, like maybe you should go to get checked out by your doctor. Like how often are you incorporating or recommending additional services when you're working with folks? That's a really good question. And it's one that I often do a lot. So the, um, in the 10 years I've been doing this, I know when it's outside my scope, because oftentimes there are things that happen in someone's life, who they are, where, where they came from. Those triggers happen for a reason, right? And sometimes those triggers need to be helped by the, the that professional that is experienced in that area. And I'll say, listen, it's not a badge of honor to carry that around without help. There are people that can help you with that. And I promise you, if you find somebody that you don't click with, try somebody else, but don't stop trying to fix that because that is huge. Cause that's, what's causing the, that could be the reason why you come to work with this stress and anxiety, because you're projecting that onto other people and it's not their fault. And they, and I said, you know, you're still a wonderful being of so much talent and this is getting in the way. What do you think about that? I, I'm not a therapist, but what I can say is please, just think about it. Think about it and let me know what you think. Like just, just think about it. Just getting pe- people to just open up a little might help. And we all know how important and helpful that is. And when it isn't used or sought after, it, I think it's really unfortunate because they've missed out on so much time that they could have been healthier and had a help, happier life. I truly, and, and impact the people around them as well. You know, the ripple effect of not getting help can be, I'm not going, no one's calling me. I stopped texting anybody just to see if they've texted me back and no one texts back. And again, it's how do you start with you? Just go talk to somebody. And I love, and I, I'm grateful that you make, you know, you bridge those gaps or like, you know, help bridge those gaps because I'd like to, when I, when we record these things, I have like multiple like blips of thoughts and it's hard for me to like organize them into like fluid sentences. But I imagine like what you do, like this, like, I imagine like almost like a flashlight, like, oh, I turned it on and I'm like shining light on things that they didn't necessarily know were there. They've been there, but you just never saw them before. And that's really uncomfortable. But then the other blip of a thought that feels connected to that for me is like, we always say, I think we said it last episode and probably every other episode is we have this lens, Amanda and I, that all behavior is functional. It may not be serving like a helpful function, Mm -hmm. but it's been serving some kind of function. And I love that you, it sounds, you align with that as far as like, we're not here to uh, make you feel uncomfortable to then shame yourself or judge yourself but that's also learned 
like self-hate and self-judgment and all those things it's like we're walking systems I guess and then I think helping people see that and then helping connect them to resources to help you know heal grow which is a never-ending process we say all the time but there's no question there I just had a lot of like things that were in my head yeah no it's so (laughs) well to put it I love that analogy because I, I tend to just read between the lines of why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? And I'll say, is there, is there anything that I can help you with that isn't happening at work? Cause life coaching is very different because life coaching and leadership coaching is and team coaching. It, it's kind of all blended together because you can't just shut the door when you go, go to work and leave everything outside and then, you know, turn into a robot at work. And then you, now you're dealing with the issues at home. Everybody has their stuff. And I'll say, is there anything that I can help is there anything that I can help you with that might be happening outside of here I don't ask any if they don't want to share they don't have to and I can't tell you how many times people will tear up and just say I just and I come to work and these people complain about so they have no idea how much worse it could be and I said yes but it's still their experience but how can you fix what you are going through yeah and and give grace to others because everybody has their own level of tolerance and and issues and and and, and resiliency and it doesn't always match others. And so it'll just get them to just, if they're just aware, then I've done my job. I'm not looking to fix them completely because I may not be able to, but getting them on the path of awareness is oftentimes just as effective. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it takes time. Yeah. Time and a lot of just build it, like we said, building that skill of knowing like it's okay. You're, we're actually okay to feel uncomfortable and and but what do we do with that and why do I feel the way that I do whenever I'm discussing these vulnerabilities right exactly um so like wrap up I guess can you for for our listeners really break down what the meaning of leadership is I guess like we've we've used the word and I think some of us just make assumptions about what that means but like the true meaning from um your expertise yeah Grow those under your umbrella. Grow the folks under your umbrella. So if my children, I'm, I'm here to help them grow and, and give them the skills so they can go off and do their own thing in their life. I have two beautiful daughters. My husband and I are a great team together. Leaders should be servant leaders. Um, I think oftentimes the mindset is to go in and dictate what needs to be done, tell people what to do. That is a very old school way of thinking back in the industrial age, like way, way, way back, you come to work, you do this 75,000 times, and then you leave at five or whatever the case is. We have to learn to nurture those that are under us and grow the people that can take over for us. So we can move up or out and our place is being taken over and our egos need to take a side step. And when we can do that, that's great. So oftentimes I'll ask the question, what does leadership mean to you? Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they'll say, well, I have to get this job done. And then I'll just know what, what level I need. It's not a judgment. It's just a temperature. So I know where to start the, start the work or, you know, somewhere up here or somewhere up here. And it's, um, it, I always interview everybody in the company, depending on the level of, of employment. And, um, and it usually comes down to, they just wish someone would listen to them. They wish someone would help them, let them fail, let them make a mistake. They don't do it on purpose. Just be there for them. And once a leader can get that mindset in control, it is such a beautiful thing. Because we all know our favorite bosses that we've ever thought about, think about that person. I always say that 
What did they do? Why do, why do you remember them so well? And it's usually because they helped you grow as a person and in your career. And that's what I'm so glad that you brought up this parent, the connection. So, okay. Um, years ago, oh my gosh, like I feel it's, it was probably at least seven years ago now. I keep thinking it was like two years ago, but time has just flown by. It definitely was before COVID. Um, I took this training about attachment styles, so like caregiver, parent, child attachment styles and the connection between that and supervisor, supervisee relationships and whoo, mind blown. I won't nerd out on everyone about all of that and how it, um, it on the side. blew my, blew my world. And if I find it, Kim, I'll have to send it to you. Cause I think I saved the PowerPoint still with all the resources. Um, but it just, when I was in an organization at that time, as a supervisor, I then thought about all my people I was supervising and I was like, Oh, Yep. I see, not that I'm diagnosing them, but I'm like, hmm, I see some anxious attachment traits. Like I've just things to look for. Like they're always coming to me. They're always checking in. Am I doing okay? Is there anything you need me to do? They're pop great. Or the people that were more secure attachment, like I barely ever hear from them. They got their stuff done on time. They would come to me like when they needed to um, quote unquote staff something like clinically, if they weren't sure what to go somewhere, get some feedback. But other than that, I could trust them to do what they needed. And then there was a disorganized attachment where it was like, you don't know what's going to show up that day. Right. Like some days they were, some days they were, you could just, you know, let them be other days. They needed that additional support. So I love that you brought up. It's like being a parent. Cause that's how I see it too. Like, um, you're, you're there to nurture and mentor and provide, um, a mod role model, right? Role model, um, that behavior. And I think oftentimes in, um, toxic workplaces, it's because the leaders don't know how to role model or don't know the importance of it. And just to give grace to them too, because I'm aware that many people, either they're pulled in from the outside or a lot of them grow up in the organization. So they start at that ground level and then they just keep getting promoted And there's no real like how to be a leader training, right? Like you might have like a one day or a whole week long sometimes, depending on where you work, but it's all like HR and like legal and like payroll and it's not actual leadership training. And so we get put in these places where we have no idea what we're doing and we just stumble along the way. And Kelsey mentioned it before, like there can be so much internal shame that comes along that way, but we were, we were promoted. So we're supposed to be here. So we're going to keep trekking at it. So all of that, yeah, all of that came to mind. So I don't know if any of that resonates with you or any last thoughts on that. It's, it's, so I think that it's, someone said to me, they go, I love, I love my my managerial role, I just can't stand the people part. And I said, okay, that's what it's all about is the people. So we need to think about that. So that was, that's when I was in as head of HR, I had to um, work with a couple of, of managers that were feeling that way. They grew up organically in the company. Tactically, they were right on point. Um, but oftentimes you'll get some people that go, they have no idea what I do. And I'm like, yeah, but do they know you? And can they get you to get better at what you do? And even from an employee looking up, these things have to change. Um, it isn't about giving the employees everything they need. It isn't about giving the leaders everything they need. It's about how we create a two-way street of communication and growth for both. And so I'll tell you, that's that's really how it comes down. And um, I, I just I just love what I do. I think that if we can make a difference in the world of work, um, love Mondays. You know, I it's one of my taglines is. Yeah, how do we love Mondays again, you know? And I get a lot of eye rolls, but I'm like, oh, it's it's so empowering when you can do that. And I do. So I want that for others. I love that you're doing what you're doing because 
we gotta we work and and I'm one of those people that I consider myself very grateful that I love the work that I'm doing every day and and what I do for a living and it's just we spend the majority of our time in our society working and it's a critical you know role that you're playing and um, it goes way deeper than the coffee cups with the logos and, and the pizza parties that people joke about but I think that's like kind of leading to like or ties into what Amanda was saying like we're not getting nobody's getting the actual nurturing type of training when it comes to leadership so so thank you for what you're doing um do you have we ask each guest uh not to put you on the spot but if you have any last words or a mantra or or another tagline or anything that you want to leave our audience with and then if you don't mind or feel free to plug yourself and where people can find you. Oh, perfect. You know, I, I always say, take a look at yourself before you, you know, you look outside, um, take a breath, um, be vulnerable, be accountable, and you'll, you'll live a happier life. Um, you can find me at um, culturalapexcoach.com and you can email me at Kim at culturalapexcoach.com. Um, and if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, happy to have a conversation. Oh, I love it, Kim. Thank you so much for being here. We will uh, definitely have to have you back because you have so much to give. I would love um, it. appreciate you so much. And we'll make sure that we put your contact info and website into the show notes so everyone can contact you. All right. Thank you so much, Amanda Kelsey. You're thank welcome. You. All right. So thank you everyone for another wonderful episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Uh, we will be having guest Donna Tart. Oops. So totally said that wrong. Donna Tash, Tasha, I'm going to have to ask her how to say that. We are going to have guest Donna here talking about living vibrantly next time. So we look forward to that episode. Make sure you turn on your notifications, subscribe, like, give us your feedback so we can know what to send you in the future. We hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time. Take care. Everybody.